50th to celebrate. It's snowing in Chattanooga. Man, they, yeah, but the only thing is, none of it's sticking, Dooner. But you know what is sticking? What? <laughs> Our show, man. Our show for 150 yeah. That's pretty yeah. amazing to think about it. That was an easy one. Uh, I know. So you start, I'll do this in a Boston accent. Halfway to 300. So you started this back in uh, March of 2018? Yeah, yeah. With JP, who will be in later? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Then this guy from Boston came in April. You've really smoothed your accent out in that time. Came out, yeah. Came out here. And now we have this lovely magical show we call What the Truck that we do twice a week. It started out as once a week. Now it's twice a week. That's how we got up to... 150 twice as fat. I think it was 64 when I started on here. Okay. Yeah, episode 64. Wow. We've done a lot together. Yeah, let's celebrate. Woo! Yeah, party. Yay to us. Hey! A little cowbell for what the truck, but a little cowbell for all of you, too. Well, that's right. This wouldn't exist if people didn't listen to us 150 times. Like We're a- all in this together. God bless you guys. Oh, I, I wouldn't you. do it. Test I wouldn't it. do it. Okay, uh, what else we got going on? Halfway to 300. That's right. At this pace, we'll be at 300. Two years? And Three years? no time at all. Depends on how often we do these, right? All right. Uh, all right. Well, thanks, everybody, for uh, supporting us in this uh, mission, this experience, this journey and ride. Yeah. And, uh, and, and especially our sponsors, right? Like this yeah. one. This episode is brought to you by Redwood Logistics, a leading logistics platform company whose diverse solutions portfolio includes this. Digital freight brokerage, flexible freight management, an innovative platform, services, you're not going to believe it, The simp- that simplify the integration of disparity in supply chain technology. Redwood connects its diverse roster of customers to the power, the power of supply ah! chain management technology and the industry's brightest minds. Oh, thank you. For more information, connect with us at Chad. RedwoodLogistics.com. Hit the headlines, Duna. You gotta pump them up, man. You really hit that. You gotta pump them up like dynamite. All right, what do we got going on? House Democrats approved federal AB5 legislation. This is pretty big news, or is it? Let's find out. We'll break it down (laughs) at the end. The U.S. House of Representatives passed a bill on Thursday that effectively would nationalize the provisions within California's AB5 law, which severely constricts the ability of companies to hire independent contractors. The Protecting the Right to Organize Act introduced in Congress last year expands the definition of employee and employer to discourage the classification of workers as independent contractors with language that mirrors the three-pronged ABC test and AB5 to determine independent contractor status. That's right. The legislation was approved along party lines in the Democrat-controlled House. The bill was a much has a much more difficult road in the Republican majority U.S. Senate, however, shocker, right, where it is not expected to pass. It's a messaging bill that has no chance of passing in the Senate, said Republican mm. Rodney Davis, a Republican, in opposing the bill on the House floor. On January 1st, a federal judge handed down a temporary restraining order, as we have covered, blocking implementation of California's AB5 against motor carriers, Dooner. That order was subsequently extended two weeks later at the request of the California Trucking Association. The CTA had argued that the Federal Aviation Administration Authorization Authorization, Authorization Act of 1994, and we talked about this before, that was that loophole they were using, right? That (laughs) F-A-A-A-A, F-1-2, F-quadruple A of 1994, known as the F-4-A Act. Oh, they do have a smaller version of it. Had made California's imposition of uh, AB5 against the trucking sector, an act that illegally substituted the state's authority for federal authority. So here's the breakdown, though. So does this spell doom for truckers? Is it doom and gloom? Well, probably not. Right. It still has to make it through the Senate. And as that Republican senator from Illinois said to us, uh, he doesn't think it's going to make it, as we just saw with the impeachment hearing. You know, things are very bipartisan. Uh, Maybe Mitt Romney will lie. I hadn't heard that. Maybe (laughs) That's news to me. It does allow states, though. So here's the impact, though. Because if it went through, if it did go through, which is unlikely, but did it, then each state would be allowed to enact their own version of AB5. It would be much easier because it would be in legislation. But then what would happen? Well, I mean, it's not even happening in California right now. It's being held up. So it's momentum. That's a momentum killer, right? But the Teamsters nevertheless see this as a win. And if it get you know, if it gets any further than where it in the house, it, you know, it's, it seems to be stopped at the house still seems to be a win. Maybe it's a messaging type of bill. Yeah. I think that's what he said. So, okay. Great. You're wearing your Republican hat today. (sighs) (laughs) I'm independent, but I support good ideas. Yes. 
Truckers rally against Oregon cap and trade bill. Hundreds of truck drivers show up at the Oregon Capitol on Thursday to protest a bill that would put a price on carbon emissions, exposing the deep divide in this state between mostly urban new economy businesses championing strong action on greenhouse gas emissions and rural communities who say the bill is a threat to their livelihoods. Yeah, Senate Bill 1530 is a new version of legislation that failed to pass last year following a high-profile walkout by Republican senators. you ever do one of those in, in high school, like a walkout? Did you ever stage a walkout? We did one in junior high. No. Well, it would rain. Ours didn't do this, but this would. It would rain in carbon emissions by capping overall emissions allowed in the state, forging large pollu- forcing large polluters, transportation fuel providers included to either reduce emissions or purchase credits for each ton of gas they admit, like those uh, carbon credits people buy the cap, would lower over time so the state's overall emissions would decline in theory. Yeah, well, the changes don't satisfy Raymond Blackwood, a field engineer from Sandy, Oregon. Not a lot. He runs a tight ship, I think. He works on trucks, trailers, and other heavy equipment. Carrying a Trump 2020 sign, Blackwood said the bill would hit rural communities hard, forcing an increase in the cost of consumer goods, including groceries. The first people to suffer will be single mothers, he said. Interesting. He had had some other hot takes. He said that electric vehicles will never... Never be able to carry heavy trucking loads, and EVs often rely on electricity generated by coal plants. I don't know. I've seen that well, Tesla semi. Tesla, it take out. Pulled some really heavy loads. It's never going to happen. Right, Tesla. Donnie was in here. I think it goes zero to sixty in like fifteen seconds with an eighty thousand pound load. Yeah. So I, I, I mean, not sure. It's quick. Uh, it's quick on the giddy about, up. But I don't how? know about Raymond. What, yeah. I don't know if I agree. Well, oh, by the way, speaking of uh-huh. Raymond and people making comments, we do have the uh, the LinkedIn open right here. Pete Mata writes, "Viva Mexico, Viva Mexico, Pete." Glad we got that deal done with your country. Yeah. Uh, Chad's got the Facebook I comments do, up. I do, and I don't I see got, any comments. Come on now. I got people. the YouTube. Thanks Talk for chiming in. Daryl did. He just gave us a smile and a thumbs up like uh, Sweet, like, like you knew he would. Okay. Owner-operators seek dedicated federal funds for parking. Always a big issue talking about this parking, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. It's tight, man. Well, now there's a bipartisan bill, so not like that. Bipartisan? Yeah, that means that they're going to get along, right? What? That's the kind of thing that might not not spell doom and gloom, might spell goodness for truck parking. Yeah. A bipartisan bill to create a dedicated pool of competitive grant funding for new truck pa- parking ca- packing capacity, capacity will be introducing Congress in the coming weeks, according to backers of the proposal. The Owner-Operator Independent Drivers Association, O-O-I-D-A. which is, that's how you colloquially know them, which has been working over the past year to help craft language in the bill, wants to see the bill incorporated into the next surface transportation reauthorization. That's right. To quote them, too many federal dollars have been spent recently on technology-based solutions that fail to address the root of the problem, testified OOIDA Vice President Louis Pugh at a U.S. Senate hearing on truck safety issues this past February 4th. We've determined federal investment in the expansion of trucking parking capacity is key. Well, that makes sense to me. Yeah. The legislation to be introduced in the U.S. House of Representatives would use funding from existing highway safety programs we want to create dedicated funding, a lockbox only for truck parking that actually puts pavement out there. Yeah. Okay. The American Trucking Association also supports federal aid dedicated to solving the problems. The truck parking has not been a priority given a shortage of funds for essential highway projects. ATA President and CEO Chris Beer testified at the hearing. Therefore, the ATA supports the creation of new discretionary grant program with dedicated funding from the Federal Aid Highway Program for Truck Parking Capital Projects. Yeah, according to the ATA, the truck parking capacity shortage ranked third. That's right, third in 2019 among issues that concern truck drivers behind simply... You would know it, compensation and hours of service. Trucking right on up there. All right, it's time to call Cassandra Gaines. Hey, Cassandra, are you... Oh, wait, wrong phone. Wrong, that's oh, not going to... That's a that's, banana. That's a banana. F you. I hate Let's everybody. I'm the man. I, will never I think I accidentally dialed money. her already. So she's... Uh, Order in the court. Here we go. <laughs> there we go. Order in the court. Cassandra? No, I, I already dialed her by accident on my yeah. banana, so she was probably wondering... Why we had done this? Hi, Cassandra. Hold on, guys. I'm here. Hold on. Okay. Hey, oh, Cassandra. you sound so distant. You sound so far away. Hi. Hi. Oh, this is a live yeah. broadcast. She's just, she's just um, cursing up a storm in the background over there. So Cassandra is coming on. Cassandra Gaines, transportation attorney. She is going to be talking. 
about how C.H. Robinson had terminated an employee, and she's going to get us up to speed on that. And yeah, this Stephen too, he was well compensated, whoever he was. How much did he get? Oh, look at all. I mean, he he had a base of around two hundred fifteen thousand per year, a severance package of eighty five. Wow. Uh, Cassandra, are you there? Truck stock. <laughs> what happened to her? Should I call her back? She said, hey, hold on, guys. Oh, okay. I, I hope she's okay. All right. Yeah. Well, Doc, have you ever worked under a non-compete, first of all? Uh, no, but I think you have, haven't you? Yeah, when I was doing freight sales, I had one from a company, and uh, one of the stipulations was that you couldn't work within a nine... It was actually pretty... It never would have held up in court, the three-year version of it, but the 90-day one was like you couldn't work in your field um, within a certain radius, right? So uh, I think I'd started at the job on like the, the 89th day, and this company was so petty oh. that they sent via certified mail the non-compete to this new company I was working for. Wow. And I didn't really like that. What happened? It was like a leap day. Like, I didn't know that it was the extra day. Uh, should I Should I just call Cassandra again? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Call her again. I, I don't know what happened over there. Maybe her phone got disconnected. I know that she's been trying to do some of the video stuff, so it might have got attached to the Bluetooth. Cassandra. Hi. Hi. Hey, there we are. Hi. We were excited to set the table for Hi. you talking, and we were dancing for you, keeping the crowd entertained. Um, we're going to talk about non-competes, right, Cassandra? Yes? What is she trying to do? I'm not sure here. I don't know. Thank, uh, Cassandra, just use the phone. We're just talking on the phone. Okay, now we'll talk on the phone. Yeah, yeah, we're not yeah. supposed to use video, just the phone. Oh, perfect. Okay. So here's, this is a very important topic, and it's a very hot topic in our industry. So uh, I like that Chad brought up how much this individual was paid, um, because that's important. Okay. I have, uh, we have companies, brokers, and, and trucking companies, who are trying to protect their customers, they're trying to protect their confidential information, and so they want their employees to sign these non-competes, uh, which basically say that you, when you leave our company, uh, employee, you can't go work for one of our competitors. Sometimes, I get, but Cassandra, I got to ask you a question because a lot of people, like when I, I was telling Chad um, while we were dialing to you that I had a non-compete when I was doing 3PL sales that I had to sign to have the job. I didn't have to sign anything at exit. I didn't get a severance. I was just, uh, I, I had just left the company. But in, in entry, I had to sign something. Is that as ironclad and as strong as one that you receive on exit? Because this guy received an $85,000 severance package. I didn't get yeah, anything like wow. that. Yeah, wow. Hefty. Yeah, that is. Excellent question. It is uh, in some states. By the way, each state has their own law. So it depends on what state you're in. Um, but that often is, uh, hey, if you want this job, you have to sign this non-compete. So that often is enforceable. Um, and and it's even more enforceable when, like this guy in this lawsuit, uh, received quite a bit of compensation for signing the non-compete as well. Uh, so here's what I'll tell you is that, I mean, I have turned down offers of employment myself because they've told me that I have to sign a non-compete. And I said, no. Because you don't know, are they going to fire you? Because guess yeah. what? That non-compete is still enforceable if they fire you well are, like they fire this guy but well, Cassandra, like, well i just have one question yeah. for in terms of like radius because one thing that i had talked to when i was having issues with this i reached out to an attorney and i said is this going to be enforceable in a court of law and um and they were like well one of the issues here is that they have so many offices in such a wide radius it basically means you wouldn't be able to work in the yeah. industry and i and we think that the court would probably side in your favor so, I, I mean, I think I had an opportunity there. Is that, but I guess this is court to court, right? Or state to state? Yeah, it's state to state. And often in our industry, especially logistics companies, they can say that their customers are all over the country. So they prohibit the employee from working anywhere in the country in that role. Now, here's the essential piece is that most employees don't have the money to go hire a lawyer and fight the non compete. So sometimes, um, these companies will know that the employee is just going to cooperate because they can't afford ten, twenty thousand dollars to fight the non-compete. Right. Uh, actually, and, well, so in okay, so I'm thinking this through a little bit. Duner was only ninety days. That Stephen too. No, no, it was three years. It was ninety days that I couldn't work oh, at any brokerage whatsoever. Oh, I got you. Okay. Well, well, Stephen too's was two years, which sounds yeah somewhat onerous. If in terms of mm -hmm. like uh, C H Robinson, like virtually everyone in the industry would be 
his competitor. I think you guys are talking about that. Well, he couldn't solicit. Yeah. He couldn't solicit companies that had worked so, with CHR. That's that's sort of typical of a non compete. Well, how enforceable well, is it, and is he in trouble? It is enforceable. He's in trouble. Uh, it is quite enforceable, depending. The courts will look at. Stockholm courts will look at how onerous is this law. So often, I see non compete that say that the employee can't work for any logistics company um, at all in the country for two years. And I've seen courts enforce that as well. Um, some courts uh, have not enforced that. They've said, okay, we will let you only say they can't work in the state or 25 mile radius for two years for another competitor. But um, here again is the employee has to fight that and spend quite a bit of money fighting that. Um, and, and uh, here's the other thing too, is that there are states that will say, uh, no, no non-competes period. So you, California is one of those states. Um, but at the same time, there are exceptions. It is a law. Um, and employees sometimes still have to fight to defend themselves in those states. I think California, North Dakota, Montana, those might be the only ones that I can remember off the top of my head. Illinois is case by case basis. So here's what I'm going to tell brokers who have, who do not make their employees sign non-competes. Um, I do think you should consider having your employees sign in certain positions, by the way, sales positions. They have access to lots of confidential information, access to lots of customers. I think you should have them sign something, give them money for it. Um, and don't, don't make it onerous. Say you can't work for a competitor for six months. Sit out for six months. Um, that's not a very long time. And give them money for it. If you fire them, give them money for that six months. Uh, yeah, sounds pretty people, nice. Take a long vacation. Is a severance a crucial yeah. component of enforcing a non-compete no. because you sign an exit? No, it's not. So that entry one. Good it- question. Good question. I tell my I tell my friends because I only represent companies. I don't represent individuals, but I tell my friends. Before you go work for that logistics or trucking company, I want you to ask yourself two questions. One question is, what if they fire me without severance? Nothing. They just kick me out of the building. Because that non-compete is enforceable most of the time. Or can be. Or you have to fight to pay for it to be non-enforceable. And the other question I want you to ask is, what if another opportunity comes that way, uh, our way, and you want to work for a competitor in a different role and you get, you might get paid more money? You need to think of those two scenarios because when you sign that document, you got a big problem. Uh, one more point. How much time do I have, Duner? You have two minutes. Sweet. This is perfect. One more point. So, so important. Uh, employees who are leaving their company and they're interviewing with other logistics companies or competitor, you have to tell your potential employer that you have a non-compete. You got to tell them that. And often, they don't, if you don't tell them, you try to conceal it. And then you get hired and then there becomes a dispute with your former employer, you could get fired. Most of the time you will get fired. So you need to remember that folks. And then how about the companies who are hiring someone and they know they have a non-compete? You as a company, if you hire somebody with a non-compete and you know it, you could be just as much trouble as the employee for helping them breach that contract with their former employer. Is this a common practice? This uh, non-compete? Heck yeah. Yeah. And I guess every they have the leverage. Person, every single person that's listening right now is going to have experience with non-compete. Wow. Yeah. I know. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's not a good place to be in. And it makes those interviews awkward when you do have that non-compete because especially <laughs> in the sales position, they're like, it, it, it can make it much more difficult to get a job. And that's why some people do conceal them. It's so true, but it comes out and recruiters will ask you right away over your phone interviews. You have a non-compete? They'll ask now because it's become so prevalent. Well, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> what were you saying there, Cassandra? I gotta get you at least once, yeah. right? You have been too, uh, your, your mouth has been too clean this episode. You haven't given me a, a genuine opportunity yeah, to use the my Clark, sensor. It's the Clark Kent version of Cassandra. Yeah. Uh, Cassandra, thank, Cassandra, thank you uh, so much for joining us. How does the world get in touch with you? Oh, just find Dooner. I'm somewhere around him hanging out. I'm Cassandra Gaines. I'm a transportation lawyer. I, you know, Dooner can't get rid of me. <laughs> She's in Arizona. I'm here in Chattanooga. Where it's snowing, by the way. Well, briefly, Ooh, brutal. It's beautiful and sunny here. <laughs> All right. Well, take it easy, Cassandra. Have a great day in the beautiful, Thank sunny you. world. Thank you. Always a good time talking to Cassandra Gaines. But now it is time to talk to my new co-host, 
on one of our shows over here. We're going to talk about the DHL supply Kevin chain. Kevin King of the Hill, where is he? Power Index. There he is. All right. On cue, on cue, my man. Bum, bum. Bum, 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 bum. They're too chatty back there, aren't they? They're too chatty. I got to throw it down. I know. you. Yeah. Mom's the word back there, guys. Mom is the word. Oh, I got you. I, speaking I, of mom, mom guys, is the word. I've got you muted. I know. <laughs> speaking, of, speaking of mom. Power him down. Ah, Kevin, how's things? How's things life? are good. Yeah. Things are good. Good. How, how's that little index you work with doing the detail pricing power supply yeah. chain? You know, it went down yeah. a little bit this week. Yeah. We're in January. Freight freight flows soften, and uh, we see it in all the data. The yeah. economy's still doing good. The PMI is now back in expansionary uh, phases. At, I think fifty point nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's good in it. Good news. Unemployment's low. Everything seems to be chugging along. It's just a, a seasonal pattern and. A lot of capacity. Capacity's uh, loosened up. Uh, load volumes are, are pretty well uh, within a percent above uh, 2019 right now. So the the flattened route a little bit, and uh, and you know everything else is just it's January. Yeah, no, I guess it's February now. Isn't it? it is February. You got to get February. over that. And I know. Ground- right? it's it's February seventh. I know. Come we're on. supposed to get an early spring, aren't we? Did the freight groundhog see a shadow? He did, yeah. I think we're supposed to get an early spring. Of course, it's snowing oh, in Chattanooga, Tennessee right now. So, Wow. Lovely stuff. It is. It's very, very much. So you're saying it's all seasonal, so it doesn't have to do with uh, trade uncertainty? It doesn't have anything to do with uh, I don't the coronavirus? Think yet. I, I don't think yet. I, I think that might feed through very, very soon, though. We're because, talking to our uh, next... We'll talk to another yeah, guest about yeah. coronavirus. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's not this thing, yeah. Chad. Yeah. You know what we do have, though? We got a brand new show. We do, yeah. Get that poster out. There we go. All right. What is this? What are we listening to there? Uh, a song. It's the intro for Put That Coffee Down. (laughs) What is Put That Coffee Down? It is a new podcast by... Dooner and myself, yeah, all about freight sales. All about freight sales. All about man. freight sales from lead about... generation, to, yeah, to prospecting, to closing, and everything in between. What about that non-compete? That non-compete. <laughs> I, I've, I've been under a non-compete too, and and some people take it very seriously. Yeah. Uh, they don't like uh, you don't. They don't like you hitting the door and taking their book of business with them. Chad, what about you? Do you take that non-compete of the world seriously? I am learning, and I think that I would. But you know, being in the uh, being a professor and, and such, they they I didn't have. No, oh, they don't do that in the college game. No. They they're not, not like you can't go teach down the yeah. street at at no. UT or. And, and thank goodness, because when I left uh, Lee University, I was able to go down the highway to uh, Dalton State College. Wow! Land uh, uh, another assistant professor gig right there. Who knew? Yeah, salesers. So in the yeah. first episode, put that coffee down. New show. Subscribe to it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever podcasts are heard around the world, or just subscribe to Freightcast. You'll get every Freightwave show, including yep. his show, Great Quarter Guys, including this show, What the Truck, which is on its 150th episode. This is on its first episode, but it's already charting and marketing on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, we've had amazing feedback from listeners. Uh, if you guys are in sales, you know that there's a lot of sales podcasts out there, but not a lot of freight sales podcasts. So we're filling that cup. And, and we're guys, taking live calls. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That is a, that's a neat calls. feature. I like that. It is. Wednesdays, yeah. 1 it p.m. Is. Eastern time. Yeah. So if you have any questions, just yeah. call us up. We always have an expert in this seat right here. Yeah. A sales expert that has knowledge that will make you money. And right. if not, we'll just have a person. I mean, there'll be somebody. Right. You had a, uh, a really smart caller in on your very first episode of Grace, as I recall. Yeah, Grace. Yeah, yeah. yeah she uh, she asked a, a good question. You guys were exploring leads. Yeah, right? leads. How, you know, what do you do with dead leads? What are dead leads, number one? Apparently, is there, they're not a dead lead. It's well, just what you do with it, yeah, right? Apparently the White not. Stripes sang Dead Leads on the, the Dirty Ground, right? It's a great album. <laughs> it is one a great before album. Elephant. Yes. Yeah. I don't know that one. Oh, we should listen yeah. to it on Spotify. You should. Okay, I'll check so, it out. So, yeah, should the new reps get them? Should the, the seasoned reps get them? What kind of data can you get from put that coffee dead leads? Yeah, yeah, put that coffee down comes from a quote from you guys' favorite movie of all time. Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Yeah, wow. right? Maybe my favorite sales movie. But that Boiler yeah. Room's up there, too. I just really oh, watched yeah. Boiler Room. Boiler Room is, like, infinitely watchable. I know we have yes. Jordan Belfort, The Wolf of Wall Street at Freightways Live, but I like Boiler Room better than The Wolf of Wall Street. 
it's kind of based on the Wolf of yes. Wall Street. It's very it's similar kind of story. That, that story. And I, I used to, to work in call centers in New York, you know, outbound, selling whatever. I mean, there, there were legitimate places. But would you you'd get those kids in there from from those bucket shops in, in New York selling stocks using that system. And some of the stories they used to tell uh, were crazy. So I sold my Tesla stock this way. You guys covered this week. Great we did, quarter yeah. guys covered Tesla. We did, yeah. So uh, we examined. So what happened? It went all the way up to 950, and then it's now it's around 740. Mm-hmm. It was uh, maybe a little bit of short covering, a lot of FOMO, fear of missing out. Do you think a lot of people did what I did? Which would be like, yeah, nah, so, yeah, I know, high, right? you know, boosted. I don't think it's yeah. going to ride up there. Seth sold his sock. Oh, he did too. Yeah, yeah. He, he bought it around. We bought two, it at the same time. Yeah, around two hundred. We shorted, right? Well, yeah, because I, you know, yeah. it was it was distorted. But, but if you, it was if still thousands, in it, thousands of dollars in a, in a haul. It was good. Yeah, it was a good time it, to sell. You know, if you're in at two hundred at nine hundred, get out. Yeah, get out. Take your money and run. Because then you can just buy back in. Yeah. No, I put it right now. You could. Where would you put it? I just sat in Mastercard until I can think of something better. Because Mastercard's moving oh. just stay. I, I thought you were going to say you put it in your mattress. No. Oh yes, <laughs> yes. I withdrew it, and then I, I. It's it's kind of hard to put in your mattress from Robinhood because you have it's to. True. It takes like a week to get into your account, and then you would have to transfer it into your checking account. Then you would have to go to the bank and withdraw what? it, and then you would have to like st- like physically stick it under your mattress. But if I did, I would put it in a metal briefcase. A metal briefcase with a handcuff on it. Not an attaché. Oh, is that what you, is that? Yeah, that's well, that's fan. That's I don't know the difference between attest. Doctor Chad would know. By the way, do people know? That, does everyone know that you are a doctor? Yeah. Do new listeners knew, know that? I I don't think so. Wow. Well, but, this man. Believe yeah. it or not, this man has a PhD. <laughs> yeah. You should have great yeah. insight on the coronavirus. I can really teach you about iambic pentameter, amongst other things. Uh, is JP yeah. out there? If he yeah. is, uh, uh, he hey, could be. Not maybe that we're he trying is, to rush out the door. Not, well, but... if he's not, we'll just talk to you about okay. passport. I, who knows with the with the runner guys back uh, yeah, there anymore? Right? Yeah, see, Connor is supposed Harrison. to be on top of this, but you I, I never see, know with that. I, I see Harrison. Well, I can't see because of. The I know. Uh, is he ambling over this way? Forget it. You, can, like, you know. You know enough about passport, right? I you do. Want to yeah. Talk to us about passport. Okay. okay. Well, I'll pay. We're good, JP. I know we were supposed to celebrate our 150th episode with him. You know, you can't tell with people. I know. Well, it's the nice uh, absent-minded professor. Passwords, your ticket to Freightways live events and data research for the sea level. For the sea level. Are you sea level? You'll get a. Uh, you'll get. I only sea level. JP will, will owe you. He will. Yeah. You, you're having to double down on the segment. He's supposed to be on radio too. I hope he actually shows up. Well, I do too. let's begin with a basic question. What is Passport? Passport is a new product here at Freight Waves where we tie in live events and going to events, event tickets with our world-class research, both the Freight Intel group that is, is more in-depth white paper research and JP's group, which is really focused articles on what's going on in the freight markets right now, whether it's intermodal, truckload, uh, you know, coronavirus, any special situations, uh, anything that's really dominating the headlines, so it's real-time or near-time information that, that basically executives, executives can use to make decisions that day, the next day, the day after. There's a lot, there's a lot more baked into it as well, right? We've got, you, you've got some buy one, get one free almost for ticket events. Yeah, definitely. So, so basically, on, on the ticket side, you basically if, if you buy a passport subscription, yeah. you get free tickets to our events, uh, depending on the package, and then you get all the research on top of that for free. Did Passport splinter off kind of what you guys were doing? You've been on the research team for a very long time, for a, a year now, and we've been here around the same amount of time. But you've always been working on research. Always been serving the audience, all of those kind of things, and passports sort of a newer 2020 uh, like it is. build so, out. So, you expand yeah, it. so so we do a lot of industry wide. Whether we we just finished a report on detention, and we went really in depth on detention, what it costs the industry. Uh, we also did our forecast for for 2020, what we what we're seeing in the freight markets. We also did the nuclear verdicts. Yeah, which were pretty in depth. It takes a, a while to uh, to put together, and you know, research PhD. And, yeah. um, you know, you assemble that and it, it, it's it's maybe 30, 40 page papers where Passport is the micro is 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 basically taking sonar, using that, interpreting it and putting together very actionable information 
uh, that, that people can, can, can buy and sell freight transportation off of. Where do people go about getting a passport if they want to they want to purchase one? Can they get them for a team? How does that aspect yeah, yeah. of it so work? Yeah, so it goes all, all the way from individual to different team packages up to the enterprise. So a lot of event tickets in there, and uh, you have a lot of users uh, and logins for for Passport. We also have our own dedicated Slack channel community where we share all, all the research guys share information with Passport users and subscribers. So you get some of our inside information uh, that we use to, uh, to, to build reports. Wow, cool stuff. So one of the advantages, too, is if you get this, you can get tickets for your team at the early bird rate. So you get the passport, yes, but yeah. then that unlocks the early bird rates for everybody? It does. I mean, basically, you, you have you have free tickets yeah. uh, to both the spring and fall yeah. Freight Lives events. But that's for you, the passport holder, right? But then being a passport holder has benefit. Membership has benefits. It does. So, so there's special events at our events. Tickets Freight, with benefits. Freight Waves Lives. Tickets yeah. with benefits. What? Yeah. What is that? Yeah, your, so, your Wilco-inspired <laughs> cover band? <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, so, so we have special functions within the sure. events uh, and, and special functions outside of the events as well. Uh, for passport subscribers. Well, what I'm seeing too is there's a four tier system, a one, five, ten, twenty, mm-hmm. right? And the the bigger that you go, the more the savings. So that's kind of an incentive, right? Yeah, definitely. So so, so the the five ticket package that means that that five people, five people have tickets to to both the 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 spring down in Atlanta and the fall in in I think Fort Worth. Wow. Um. So, so basically, that comes with that subscription, and then you get all the research that that we publish. Uh, their team, uh, three to four reports a, a week on all different phases of the the freight markets, and then we do about once a week uh, our white paper content that gives you a really good sense of of, of the macro stance of of where we are and the the trucking cycle. Nice. Yeah. So uh, if, cycle. if you get a, a passport ticket for 10 members, you get 40% off. It's only 15000 a year. Yeah, you get 40% off your event oh. tickets. But if you get 20, the 20 member one, you save 60%. It's only wow. 20000 a year. Yes, that's so, exactly buy right. Buy more, save more. <laughs> you know? Exactly. What is the most exciting thing that you guys are, are researching or during your research you've uncovered? Because one of the fun things about researching, and I think the best researchers are those who feel like they're learning in the process themselves, right? Mm-hmm. So, oh, yeah, definitely. Wh- where have you felt more enlightened? I, I think just in, in, in basically how capacity works and, and the, the macro indicators to, to look at to, to, to figure out the supply and demand in, in the trucking cycle. So I've learned immensely uh, immense. Uh, my my knowledge base has gone up immensely since since I started Freight Waves and really started digging into the data and sonar and um and the other data points that are out there in the industry and kind of melding all that together. Because you have to keep an open mind, track your assumptions, mm-hmm. track your surprises. That 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 is a great question. That's kind of what I like to dig into your white your white papers at times too, because I'm like, you guys are trying to systematically think through big questions. We are, you know, and they're the same questions I had, um, and it goes back to the sales podcast too, right? I, I had all these questions about sales because I was probably an average uh, salesperson in, in freight brokerage uh, because it's very competitive. It's hard to differentiate yourself. So I had all these questions, but I also, you know, turning around and working the market and basically trading transportation because that's what a broker does. Yeah. He buys and sells transportation. Is is why is one lane hot? Why is, why is something liquid? Why is it? Illiquid. Do you why think, does the market has so much volatility? Do you think a lot of people think of it that way? A broker is just someone who so. buys and sells freight? I, I don't think so. I know. I, I, I uh, don't but, think they really understand that when you're talking about margin. And maybe we'll get into that on we will. Put the Coffee Down. Subscribe to it. Watch it Wednesdays, 1 p.m. live here. You can yeah. live then shortly thereafter yeah. within an hour. It'll be up on podcast players yeah. everywhere. But it's one, great stuff. Live, 1 p.m., light up our phones. Yeah, later on. I want to. I want to hear from callers. Yeah, yeah, and we'll post the number out live when we're uh, when we're on the show. Very good. Thank All you. Right. All right. Thanks, Kevin. Yeah. You bet. And now we're going to talk to a guest that you actually set up for us. Do you want to say hi to Lorian before you walk yeah. out? All right. Well, I'll dial her up. Well, uh, well, you are in here, and then you can you can scurry off and get back. We've taken taken up a lot of your time. Oh, I don't want face my my research. I don't want face. I got to go back up and. I don't want face. I just want regular. Let's see. All right. Here we go. So. Five, count of five, five good minutes. Mm-hmm. I love the sound of a ringing phone 
Lorianne, if you guys don't know, she is uh, she's the senior editor of guests on CNBC Business News. She's breaking news, booking CNBC representative, and um, she's a five ringer, a six ringer, a seven ringer. Yeah, we're supposed to talk about the coronavirus with her. Your call has been forwarded to an automated voice Um, messaging system. system. Hanging out, hanging out for a little bit Uh, longer. All right, we've been (laughs) split up once or twice. She calls us back. I just saw JP walk by. Can you go grab him? Yeah, let us get JP in. We'll finally get him in here to talk to us. He's also been covering the freight tech industry and some interesting stuff there. What a what an interesting 150th. It's a wonder we get through yeah. these things, isn't it, Chad? <laughs> I so know. Here's, here's JP. He's always on time. He's never been late to a meeting in his life, especially and not today. And it's great to have you on for the 150th episode. 150th wow. episode, yeah. JP. Congrats, guys. Now, we were going to talk about Passport. He already did that. So instead, we are going to take a trip down memory lane to the very beginning of what the truck, how did the show start? <laughs> um, it started. Wait, in, you're putting him on the spot, aren't you? It started well, a long time ago. I mean, in, he lived it. What was that? March 2018. 18. Um, in a kind of where you had a makeshift studio in an abandoned Transcard office down here in Chattanooga. That's right. Um, and it was uh, you, me, and Barry. I recall. Silent, Silent Barry. Yeah. Silent Barry. <clears throat> now as the creative director, obviously is you know. We had a little anxiety on how we were going to set it up. We yeah, got a twelve pack of uh, bells too hearted, and the rest, <laughs> the rest is history. Yeah, it worked. It, we recorded like a, uh, if I recall, we recorded like a, um, like a, uh, a rehearsal or like a first run through of the episode, and you know, super nervous. We're like, okay, we will just get some too hearted. Have, you know, have one, and that'll calm our nerves. But turn into more than one. It um, turned into and yeah. turn into a tradition. Yeah, it was like a fun a way to like. We were a little anxious at first. Have a beer. And uh, introduced the beer I was brewing at the time. And now 150 episodes later. By the way, there is, so that is good news. But let's get to a little bit of bad news. We actually do have a statement called good news, bad news. We'll get to after you. Coyote has had uh, some breaking news today. I know that you have been on the beat, and which may have what kept you delayed from coming in here. So what have you been finding out about Coyote today? Yeah, so essentially Coyote has been shrinking their Chattanooga office for basically the past year through attrition, meaning you know, given the normal fairly high churn rate in freight brokerages, they just haven't been hiring people to replace those who left, slowly shrinking the office down to about 25 carrier reps you know, and salespeople, you know, administrative, and they, they cut all of the remaining carrier reps uh, this morning. So about 25 people lost their jobs. Um, it's kind of symbolic in a way. I mean, it's the end of this long story of Access America um, which was, of course, you know, Chattanooga's native uh, large freight brokerage that was sold to Coyote for, you know, $240 million in um, 2014. Um, it, you know, the old Access office became Coyote's main Chattanooga branch. And, of course, Access had another branch in Minneapolis and stuff. But but it was really the heart of uh, Coyote's Chattanooga operations. And then, you know, Coyote sold to UPS, a lot of changes have been made uh the silvers have all finally left coyote and ups and um yeah it's just it's interesting i mean it's not it's it's the end of the access america coyote story but you know i think it lives on in the sort of the family you know the 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 coaching tree if you will of people who you know from you know barry and ted and everybody else who's involved in access and how all those guys trickled down, started their own brokerages, freight forwarders, insurance companies, and things like that. So, I mean, I think uh, it's it's sad. It's it's kind of like when you're uh, when when you're you know your grandparents pass away or something like that. You know, yeah, the whole family comes there for the re- you see the dozens of cousins and stuff that are all still kicking and Lorraine Morocco. Oh, well, oh, let's see, let's Lorraine. Uh, hey, Lorianne, how are you? This is uh, this is Dooner and Chad with What the Truck. Uh, thanks for thanks for joining us, JP. We really appreciate you getting yeah, that thanks, breaking guys. story on Coyote. <laughs> thanks yeah. for that um, bad news, JP. Us, yes, <laughs> sorry about sorry about being late, Lorianne. Oh, okay. uh, JP brought us some some bad news about uh, a local business, but now we have you for. Well, is this going to be more bad news about the coronavirus? Is she there? Hi, Lorianne. <laughs> oh, there we go. Yeah, I'm here. Oh, uh, sorry about that. Can you hear me? Okay. Now, yeah. now we hear you. Now we got you brought up. Yeah, so we, okay. you are the senior editor of guests with CNBC News. You do breaking news booking for CNBC. You've written a great book. Tell us about the book. Oh, sure. It's uh, called uh, Trade War Containers Don't Lie. 
uh, navigating the bluster. And what it is was I was looking at the flow of trade to really kind of dig down into the truth, if you will, with the trade war to see, to compare the rhetoric versus the, versus the reality, if you will. And based on the flow of trade, uh, China really didn't follow through on its uh, purchases. And, um, and as of right now, based on the flow of trade, we're looking at the slowdown of trade because of the coronavirus. So mm-hmm. it's really interesting to see how, you know, the flow of trade really can provide the tree leaf, uh, the tea leaves for the intermodal industry. Yeah, it's like a perfect storm of, of you have the trade war and then you have this, this real virus. And even in the news today, Estee Lauder, and we're seeing these, these profit expectations be cut across the board, but I always like to use the name of a company that people at least know so they can see the real world impacts of this. It's not just a health thing. We've been covering it in freight. So what are some of the impacts that have been carrying over to freight? And why would a company like Estee Lauder or anyone else have to worry about their profits because of this? Well, the reason why is uh, the Chinese consumer has gotten, um, as you know, as trade has flourished, they've, they've gotten more money in their pockets. So you went from a 2% luxury consumer all the way to a 35% luxury consumer. Uh, just today, Burberry uh, announced uh, that, you know, they, they've got less traffic in their stores because of Corona, also because of the, uh, the Lunar New Year uh, with folks being quarantined. They weren't able to go shopping and luxury goods. That's where they really see a boom when it comes to the Chinese consumer. When you look over here on the flip side, um, as you know, a lot of our product is manufactured in China. So normally, uh, before the Lunar New Year, you do have a slight bump up, although this year the Port of Los Angeles and the Port of Long Beach did not see an increase in volume of Chinese exports because of the trade war. Um, but normally post-Lunar New Year, folks go back to bit, you know, they go back to work, they start manufacturing the product. But because of the coronavirus, those manufacturing plants are not up and running and they're still closed. So what happens with the flow of trade is if product is not being made and being shipped out from say China to the United States, that's less containers that are going to be on the trucks and the rails. Right. Uh, well, you know, speak, you've, you've, we usually are in a, a time of uncertainty with uh, regarding trade and now the the coronavirus has led us to experiencing just pure chaos in fact chinese shipyards recently declared a force majeure over delays can you tell us a little bit about that declaration what does that mean um from the uh, coronavirus fallout well from uh, in terms of the, the the force majeure you know when you're looking at phase one and when you're looking at what's going on with china um, it makes sense. I mean, people aren't working. Um, you don't have the, you know, you don't have any really supply chain moving, moving right now, let alone people at the ports to move the product on. So there's wiggle room, if you will, uh, for China to uh, follow through on any uh, possible uh, trade buys that they're supposed to. So it's more of like, we've got to wait and see here. And honestly, I was speaking with another uh, CEO of a cleaning company who was told that their manufacturing plant is going to be closed yet another week uh, because of the coronavirus. So there's a lot of uncertainty out there. And it really does make sense in terms of how can they make purchases if you don't have the bodies and if you don't have things up and running. Lorianne, do you think that this, do you think there's any validity to that 10 cent article that came out that said that there's actually way more deaths than have been revealed? Cause that one, it had a very high number. It said like 24,000, 500 as of yesterday, where I think what's been reported is definitely less than a thousand through at least Chinese media, right? You know, when it comes to China, um, you know, it's a, it's a different, uh, it's not a democracy. Um, and so, you know, you do have some folks out there that are not believing in the numbers. I don't, I don't know. Um, but, you know, when you look at the numbers where you have a depth like skyrocket from a, just a handful to, you know, uh, you know, to what they are now, it, it does lead you to wonder. But I don't think anybody, any website's going to ever have a, her, a hard, firm handle on what is really going on over there in terms of those being sick and uh, those that unfortunately have lost their life. Yeah, it's uh, also. I mean, it's. I, I hope it's only another week. It's the the news out there. It seems to be getting. Uh, it's been really bad this week. 
Uh, so it's dampening, you know, what we was already kind of a fra- a fragile, positive outlook. Uh, well, yeah. what what uh, what companies and owner operators would be impacted first if we see a real culling of freight? Well, in, in terms of those that are that are exposed, I spoke with uh, with uh, Jeff Tucker, um, who, as you know, is the CEO of Tucker Company Worldwide, and. What they're looking at is that he's cautioning the companies and these owner operators that are really operating the heavy spot market uh, would be impacted first, and that makes sense because you know they're in the spot they're in the spot market, so that's more uh, exposed, if you will, to to uh, the to the breaking news. Um, but what, what you're looking at right now, and what we've seen is the permanent flow of trade has been altered. Uh, within the United States because of the trade war. And this is just compounding what we're seeing where you are seeing winners and losers, right? In terms of where the, where the trade is moving. And one of the biggest things that people have discounted and I think have forgotten is that you've had companies leave China and moving to other Southeast Asian countries. And those, uh, those manufacturing plants are using uh, the Panama Canal, the Suez Canal, and they're going up towards, you know, the port of Houston and all the way up to the East Coast. And you've seen that in the flow of trade in terms of uh, the volumes because the West Coast has not been able to uh, get back anything they have lost. And we really have to look at the, the port numbers, uh, particularly uh, for February for the West Coast to you- see what's going on. But. I was going to say timing has been we just signed that phase one trade deal. There's volume commitments that are brought into those kind of things. And I just want to disclaimer this, too. We're, we're, we're not removing the, the loss of human life or, or the, the badness of disease here. We are we're just trying to uh, not even disassociate, but bring the, the fright right. element into it. Um, but in terms of the phase one deal, is there any risk there that commitments won't be able to be made and that could that could hamper the progress? There's definitely a risk because right now, you know, you don't have people at, at the really at full strength. You don't have people working. You don't have uh, people at the ports, you know, receiving or uh, importing or exporting the product. And these things have slowed down. I spoke with Marine Traffic yesterday who told me that, you know, normally, um, you know, they have, you know, you know, 40 some odd vessels in and out of the port of Wuhan. Now they have five. So again, it's it's just like if they if they don't have the infrastructure up and running, how are they going to be purchasing things? And also too, you know, you look at the poultry, uh, look at look at look at the the pigs. We have to look at the forward looking indicators. The biggest thing that we have to look at right now is soybeans and how much soybeans are they going to be buying from Brazil? That will give us some good telltale sign, at least from the ag side. Um, and we also have to see are they going to bump up their uh, poultry purchases up a lot because they need protein. They need pigs. So I think once it officially goes in, because remember, it doesn't start until April 14th. So they have started with decreasing the tariffs, which was they were supposed to do. Um, but, you know, we're now like in this holding pattern. So I think probably by maybe March or April, we'll start seeing something in terms of can they follow through. Well, let's hope so. Let's we'll learn more. Thank you for the yeah. incredible information and insight, Lorianne. How do people, people want to follow through? How do they how do they reach out to you, learn more about you and uh and how to get your book? Well, uh the book uh, Trade War is uh on Amazon Barnes and Noble. So you could easily go there. Uh you can follow me on as you know, I write for uh American Shipper. So my columns are exclusively on there. And, uh, you know, um, I'm easily accessible on LinkedIn. So I'm pretty much everywhere. And even on Twitter. <laughs> I do a lot of the breaking news on Twitter. Awesome. Fantastic. Lorianne, thank you so much for joining us today. Have a, have a great weekend. Oh, so great stuff. So I'm glad we were able to, uh, to touch base with her. We had JP come in. He very yeah. interesting show with those news, but we still got a few more segments to get through here. Ah, the bad news and good news. All right, good news. Uber freight growth. Starting with the good news. Good, good news. Okay. okay. Well, it depends on how do. the story is. If the story makes yeah. sense to go good, then you go good first. If it makes sense to go bad, you go bad first. This one is uh-huh. good news. Uber freight gross revenues soared 218% and a 74% year over year increase in its gross bookings. Yoy. The bad news gross bookings declined 4 million sequentially from the third quarter, mm. and the company lost $615 million. 
<laughs> but going forward, we forecast freight scaling to a $6 billion annual revenue wow. segment by 2024 as Uber continues to invest behind the further build-out of its logistics network and demand generation domestically, as well as potential geographic expansion, including plans to expand into Germany. This is from uh, this is from their uh, their earnings report. Interesting to see them go into Germany. They tried to do that with the rideshare. Didn't work out yeah, so well. We'll it see how it works. Wor- it did work out for uh, David Hasselhoff. I, you know, and I would say that you know, at a certain point, these startups they they build it all out. And and that's gonna you're not gonna have to keep building it out. So maybe it, it does become exponential. I guess so. I can see it. Keep um, building it out. It builds out. <laughs> the insight. Yeah, yeah, right here. All right, uh, good got? news. That's what I'm starting with. The IPO market is doing really good right now, and mattress in a box company Casper is looking to jump in, as they also keep their eye on Pinterest and Zoom and how they do. They're bullish on the IPO market and. And even thinking that that Lyft and others who went IPO and lost that huge valuation, they they're thinking that that was just a one-off. Bad news though. Mm-hmm. Sorry to sorry to bring it to you. Investors are already giving the company an icy reception. Casper revealed the pricing late Wednesday after announcing in an earlier regulatory filing that it cut its IPO target share price to twelve to thirteen dollars, down from seventeen to nineteen, and. Their IPO woes show investors are growing hesitant in okay. supporting companies Succinct. that don't have a clear direction toward profitability. <laughs> this is very, very, uh, very elongated uh, explanation there. Because you got to get the good, you got to get the bad. Dude, dude, my ADD, man, I'm just, I'm losing the thread. But I'll tell you something about Casper. There's a really interesting article about this whole like mattress in a box economy. And I guess like they pay or allegedly, according to some some blog I read on the internet that they pay like a lot of people to write reviews and to get Google slotting, to get good Google slotting for reviews on these matches in the boxes. But then like what happened is I guess when they first came out, it was easy to penetrate the market because the SEO for like a, the click throw on a term for like matches in a box, like 30 cents. Yeah. And now it's like, you know, $12 per click. So the, the, the click throughs is just costing a lot of money. And at the end of the day, you're selling a piece of foam in a box. Yeah. But maybe it's a good, comfortable piece of foam. I might look into it because I've got um, a bad mattress. It's given my right hip some, some oh. issues. Yeah. I, well, I mean, I have, I don't have a Casper. I have one that I got from like a, uh, a mattress store that is like that big hunk of foam and it's great. You can, oh. It's like that old ladies commercial where the lady has the glass of wine on the bed and she's jumping up and down and, oh, and it doesn't over. spill. Yeah, or like when your cat yeah, comes on the bed, you don't fall into a divot and there's no there's no uh, springs. It's nice. Yeah. When I snore, I have to sleep on another mattress. So this is a thing. Do you have, yeah. like, do most clothes off the rack just fit you fine, you're good to go, or do you get, like, a little annoyed in the pants or the shirt? No, I mean, the shirt is usually pretty easy. Yeah. Uh, it's straight up large. It's the, uh, yeah, the, the pants can be hard to fit just right. Well, good news. Ralph Lauren oh, yeah? is adding custom apparel to its offerings, and they say they can do it with only 16-day lead time. That's pretty amazing, right? Uh, Here's the bad news. Seems like a little This delayed. might just be marketing schmarketing because it's just a pilot program. In a one-off pilot, Ralph Lauren delivered a custom fleece sweater to a wholesale customer in 16 days from ideation to receipt. Right in time for Black Friday, COO and CFO Jane Nielsen, wearing two hats, said the company's third quarter, she said during the company's third quarter earnings call on Tuesday, in fact, most apparel has the 30, 60, 90-day turn times. Fashion's very fast-moving. Waste, we've covered that, right? Yeah. A lot of trouble. Well, uh, they said, so here's where the marketing marketing comes in. Like they did this for one customer. They did in 16 days, but they're saying that they're not really planning on changing their supply chain. Well, that's yeah. kind of a non-news situation. It's not even bad news. It's kind of non. Well, no, it's it's a, it shows they can do it. I think oh, they were like, you know what? We can we we made it to the moon. We may not always go to the moon, but we made it to the moon. <laughs> yeah, you got to scale that. Yes. Uh, I'm going to start with some bad news. A 61 year old Newark man told lottery officials that he asked his son to fill out some pay slips for the January 18 Powerball drawing, but when he got to Malin's Market in New- Newark, he realized he only had enough money to buy three of his intended four tickets. So that mm-hmm. was a real bummer for him. Wait, but the good news is the next day, he took he he went there, he got a fourth ticket, and ac- accidentally used the same numbers as one of his other tickets, and it was a winning ticket at $50,000. And so with the same number, he won 100000 Dollars. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that's really good news. Massachusetts, man. People in Massachusetts are really like addicted to scratch tickets. Like okay. you go in a line. Really? If you go into line at like 7-Eleven, you can be stuck for like 15 minutes 
I don't know. In Massachusetts, like an hour, like a minute is a very long time. I don't Do know a lot of people right. win in Massachusetts? Like, no, the... they win. I've never seen like a rich dude playing scratch tickets. It's always, it's no. No, because the well, second they're not they rich do, when they're playing it. No, what they do, they scratch the ticket and like they all go in there and like like madness. They'll they'll buy like twelve tickets. They'll be like, oh, I have a number twelve and a number twenty, and like they're five. They're like expensive now. Some are twenty, fifty bucks. They'll go to their car, they scratch them all off, and then the second they win, they go back and know what they do? They buy more. There's more scratch tickets. What? They must not win very much. They want there. the big score. Hey, the good news is you can get the exact same number and win. I guess so. Some people Double play down. the same numbers all the time. Oh boy. Well, good news. It's not going to rain this weekend. If you live in Chattanooga, we've had a lot of bad rain. But here's the bad news. It's going to rain every single day next week. What? Yep. Average yearly totals in Chattanooga is pretty astronomical, 52.48 inches. Not as much as the all-time wettest year, 1994, but I think we are on track to beat it, which was 73.7 inches. We're not in the top five rainiest cities up there, but there is a massive sustained rains here that do cause flooding. And if you're concerned about that, definitely check sonar for our weather forecast. I know the Rockies have really you know bad what? Uh, I weather. I still love Snow. Chattanooga. It's snowing here today. Chattanooga. 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 Yes. Um, do you know what the rainiest city in America is? The rainiest city. Yeah. Well, people think it's Seattle. Yeah, you know where it is. It's, it's not Chattanooga. Mm, nope. I'm going to say Mobile, Alabama. I think that because you're looking at my notes. I, I was hoping you'd guess something sillier. Oh, but yeah, it is Mobile, Alabama, 67 Well, I inches. was kind of guessing. I didn't look at that. Does, have you, does it rain that often there? I guess so. It's on, it's on the coast, bruh. Well, these are Mobile, Alabama, Pensacola, Florida, New Orleans, Louisiana, West Palm Beach, and Lafayette, Louisiana round out the top five. Seattle only gets 38 inches of rain a year. Why do they have the bad rep? Yeah, um, I know. Probably because overcast all the time. That would be my guess. Emily um, Zink loves scratch tickets. She does. Yeah, in Massachusetts, people like to Go give figure. them to you in like your stocking. Like There's... as a Christmas gift. Right. Um, well, you ever use one as a bookmark? You know, I've just about never got one. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, bad news, so we can end on good news. The bad news is a murder of crows. Mm-hmm. Do you know what a murder of crows is? Um, it's like, yes, I shouldn't talk about that, though. <laughs> no, it's a group of crows. It's a That's of right. Crows. It's yes. a, for some reason, it's a murder. A murder of crows is raining down poop at the sprawling Mayo Clinic campus in Rochester, Minnesota, creating a slimy mess for city residents as well as staff and patients. But the good news is that standing in the way of that chaos is Sally Varenkamp, part of a band of city employees who each winter take on the job of chasing away the birds. They're known as the Crow Patrol, and they are ready for the fight. Okay, so I looked this up. I looked up why it's called a murder of crows just now, and according to the big think, it says... oh. So our answer is that a group of crows is called a murder because some doublet-clad Englishman wanted to show off his poetic talents by cementing the species' bum rap. That doesn't make much sense. Uh, that, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's like, just... Why do they call it a gaggle of geese or a, a pride of lions? Or It goes back as far as the 15th century. No, nobody knows why, though. There's, it's, it it hasn't been I think that was a Counting Crows first album, A Murder of Crows, wasn't Isn't it? Society was weird. Isn't society weird like that? Like, oh, we will yeah. be like, nobody knows weird. where it came from, So, but we're like, we'll just keep calling them A Murder of Crows, but nobody knows why. It sounds great. Can't somebody just take the reins and be like, no, it's actually, I mean, like, if you don't, it's just weird to me that nobody knows why it's called A Murder of Crows, but we, we insist upon sticking to that. Right. And what's, what's a whole, oh, it's a gang of turkeys. No, it's actually a, a rat, a rattler. Rattler? Yeah, I, I made up that it was a gang to you. It's not really true. Yeah, turkeys are vicious. <laughs> okay. Though. All right, it's now it's time to hear back. Trusting I am. From you, the listeners, on our 150th episode. Yeah. Draw. All right, what's this? How does the gig economy hurt truckers? Actually, we've been writing all these sort of great Articles, you know, we have like the, the Freight 101 series, right. and now we have the Ask Wave series. Well, this was an article from that, and it was, how does the gig economy hurt truckers? And perfectly apropos, because AB5, national, right? Well, maybe not. Yeah, maybe not. So, much. so Jared Small says, I'm retired now, but was over the road for 25 years. I wanted to join the Teamsters Union, but guess what? Independent owner-operators are blocked by the law from joining unions. You can thank Congress and companies, you know, the rich 5% who own most of America, for that block of being able to join a union and have say in being treated fairly. 
Uh, it's the rich 0.05%. But anyway, yeah, that was um, that was a great um, rendition of him. Here's Dave Remus on the same subject. TFC yep. Truckers for Change Time. We all unite together and have one union for from the port to the workers in the warehouses. We run this economy and the world. We together can can one affect a lot of change, political policies, and social issues. We are the means of production. Most drivers don't have health care or a living wage. We have to force change before artificial intelligence takes all our jobs. TFC, we, the people, must stand up. Truckers united for the laborers, the farmers, the whole damn system. Oh, well, interesting. So I was trying to do the Terminator theme, like, as a bed underneath you as he started talking about the artificial intelligence. Yeah, it was giving me a little something. Yeah. Uh, Oh, I got Noble One this week. Noble One suggests oh. Noble One suggests smart truck drivers. He's really started to um like hack the naming system on our thing, and he changes his name each time. So usually you'd put your name there, but he puts like a headline. So he says Noble One suggests smart truck drivers unite and collectively cut out the middleman from picking truck driver pocket pockets. IMO. So he's got his whole theme IMHO, right in there. Yeah. Um. Oh, wait a second. Oh, oh now Timothy Dooner. Wait a second. That's, oh, he, he calls you Dune. <laughs> he just called me out. Oh, no. Timothy Dooner from Frame. Oh, he's listening. He's going to have a field day with his comment. He already believes that I have sock monikers on freight waves, of which I don't. Heck, after reading this comment, I myself would have been led to believe I wrote it. <laughs> um, this is a wake-up call for sure to the 11-11 timestamp. Dave, I like your thinking. If you haven't read my comments on freight waves, I'd be surprised because I write so many of them. But you, <laughs> you say TFC, I say a United Truck Driver Alliance. Same thing. You should elaborate a little more on this concept of yours. Seriously, I'm curious to know how you would suggest to set it up in my humble opinion. Well, yes, quite, quite humble. Uh, Larry Allison writes in, ha, 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 ha. I love being an independent, running one truck and own authority. Cash is king, always. No concern of mine, and my truck is fueling and running just fine. He said those drivers might have to pay cash or use their own bank card. LMFAO! Mega carriers aren't paying drivers enough to do that. <laughs> FTA, Seattle-based startup. Oh, from the article. Yeah, I just pulled a chat. Seattle-based startup. Launches, I did that one time. <laughs> Seattle-based startup launches partial truckload service. This is from DT. Tough model. They need to get across to huge amounts of available trailer capacity and hope the timing and direction works out and need a TMS that connect the entire network. It's a nice hole to fill if they have that tech that can bring all the parties together. Good luck to them, I say. We always struggle with 6 to 15 pallets. Ivo says it's BS right environmentally as is if we are not sitting 10 hours more for pickup and delivery with reefer trailer and doors right open environmentally, as if sitting many hours every day in traffic because of ELD and et cetera, FTA. Mm. It's from the article. That's, you just pulled the chat. No, I did not. <laughs> the FTA is from the article. No, he... Okay, well, it looks like... <laughs> I just wasn't highlighted. Okay. All right, this is from Dude. You set me up for that. That's not fair. No, I mean, come on. You got to think on the fly. Uh... D- All right, so dude says, LOL, sleeping in your truck is part of the job, and it has been for decades. The off-duty time is included in your base pay. You want paid for 24 hours bullcrap? All the carriers have to do is restructure the base pay, so you're still making the same. (laughs) I don't know, was he sleepy or like a surfer dude? I thought he was a dude. Uh, Oh, yeah, he is a dude. Uh, Hans Volker says... <laughs> oh, do you have, can you do a German I, for us? I've worked German. for Vol- Walmart for 15 years and four months. They were the most controlling company I have ever worked for. They're different programs for the drivers to choose from five to meaning five work days, two days off, week on, week off, and so I work for five two. They still force you to extend and work into your weekend with no extra pay. We control your sleeper birth time. You can't leave the truck. If you do without permission, you'll be fired. The only time you can leave the truck is if you get permission and you park at Walmart facility 
how many of us live close to Walmart facility to go home and see our family? If you leave the truck, if you're close to home and they find out you will be fired, the best thing I ever did was leave Walmart. I have to, speaking of, I got to go to Walmart facility this weekend to get some groceries. Yeah. I haven't been there in a bit. All right, this is James Mock. He will take us out on the comments. I really don't care how they pay. It simply has to add up to enough to justify my time and effort. Period. Point Boom. blank. Period. Enough said. Enough said. There's only so much time I got a train to catch. And this has been enough said of this 150th. Yes. What's the truck? Thank you for making <laughs> being with us as we made it to 150 in this error-filled episode. We will do better next we time. We will do better will, next time. We'll bring you more. But I think we got some good information. We still got, we've yep. heard about Passport. JP, everyone still made it. You know, it just wasn't time. It just wasn't always. These in the things nick of happen time. when you're running it live, and you baby. do it live, man. When this show started out, right? Not live, recorded with a cat on your lap and a, and a Yeti microphone. <laughs> Sometimes and put out on just on Fridays, even though it's recorded earlier in the week, and now it comes to you instantly. Whether we said it, we regret it, whatever, it's out there for you guys to digest and consume forever. Oh, that's not the right one. This is just one more error to take. Start us, out. us back up. Man. Subscribe to Freightcast. Get all your podcasts there at Timothy Dooner, at, at Chad Prevost, at D-O-O-N-E-R. Tuesdays at 2 o'clock. No, Monday is at 2 I can't say anything It's right the ever-expanding network of freight casts. You are expanding it every day. I bet it is uh, hard to keep up with it all. Truck is a show that you hear through your earbuds when you're shopping in the Walmart facility. Thank you for joining Man, us. Man, that today. Walmart driver, he really didn't like working for him. Yeah. I thought everybody did. I would. Me too. Goodbye.